So welcome once again to the one-to-one podcast with our priest on a mission, Father Dan Leary. I'm your host, Kevin Wells, with my guest, Father Dan Leary. So the name one-to-one comes from the words of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, Father Al. He said, when you're confronted with a child who is sick, you cannot be indifferent. You have to help this individual on a one-to-one, a person-to-person basis. So with that, Father Dan, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be with you and uh, great to be with everybody who's tuning in. Well, good. I, I know uh, I know you have tons and tons and tons going on down there, and that kind of leads to what I want to speak today about a one-to-one, and, and that is simply the life of a missionary priest. So why don't you just tell me what's been going on down there? Like, for instance, what, what went on last week and, and maybe what went on this week? Why don't you share a few stories? Well, sure. I'm, I'm back in uh, Chalco back in girls town with 35 3500 girls or so I was I left Guadalajara and I came here and uh so like the good sisters they have kept me busy my day is pretty much composed of uh con- masses or confessions or uh spiritual talks with the sisters it's really an immensely spiritual time in my ministry where I'm getting a chance to really help young people and the religious sisters really open up to the power of Christ, to the mercy of God. So it's usually four to six hours of confessions every day, easy, and then uh, time to, you know, see the kids and take a walk and try to get some exercise if I can, you know. it's beautiful. I, I have to tell you a funny story. So it's not all just spiritual stuff. Sometimes you got to blow off some steam. So the other day I was running and, uh, you know, I'm a terrible runner cause I've got like old man legs and old man knees. So I'm running along the, this area where I don't think there's going to be many kids. And so I'm running and they're all, uh, they're all cheering me on animo animo, which is like, go father, keep going, keep going. And, you know, you feel like the old man, you know, because these little kids are sitting there. I don't have a mask on. The kids have a mask on. And uh, so I run halfway down and I kind of touch this wall and run back. And then like 20 of the littlest kids come running up to me and like, we want to run with you. And I'm like, oh, man. So anyway, so I. Uh, I'm there and uh, they start running with me. And so we start running. We run like 200 yards. I'm totally out of breath. And I'm like, all right, let's stop, right? And uh, let's catch our breath. So they're all gathering around me. And I go, okay, we got to keep running. But I said, look back there. And they all turn around and I took off running. (laughs) So I run like another 200 yards and they're all laughing. And they run like ostriches, like they're running, but they're looking at me. Okay, so they're staring at me, talking to me like I can barely breathe. And they're talking, right? Father, do you like Mexico? And I'm like, get out of here. Of course not. I can barely breathe. So we run another 200 yards. And uh, I'm like, all right, let me give you, we stop and I'm out of breath. And they're not even panting. They're running in sandals. So I said, let me give you a blessing. So they all, I go, close your eyes. So they close their eyes and they took off running again. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. So then we run another 200 yards and I can see the finish line. It's this area where they can't kind of enter. 
and I go, let me give you another blessing. Well, they're all laughing. And uh, I go, okay, let me give you, oh, hey, sister. And I pointed and they all turned around and I took off running again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that stuff where then at the end, at the finish line, I give them all the blessing. Like they all get in this line and I'm like, they father, give us a blessing. So they're all there. They're all sweaty and I'm giving them a blessing. It's, it was quite beautiful and quite comical and they're all laughing and breathe. I'm the only one breathing hard. So anyway, so it's been a nonstop experience of kind of humorous stuff and at the same time, joy, you know? Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're breaking in. I, I think for the, for the tens of thousands of listeners that just heard your story, they're, they're smiling and you know, they're kind of visualizing those kids in, in Rocky one on the Philadelphia streets, jumping over park benches and trying to chase them down. But, at the same time, you know, what you know when, when these kids are running by your side, they're like, hey, man, here's dad. Here's here's father. Let's let's keep up with them. And and you're cracking them up because I imagine what you know is and, and what you're learning is is they've been through a heck of a lot. Oh, yeah, man. Well, the other you know, I'm doing these healing masses with the girls and it's so beautiful. The little ones, you know, I talk to them. I go to the, the littlest ones that are here, 11 and 12. And so I go to their building and the other night it was pouring rain. So I have this umbrella and I fold it up and I'm walking up the stairs at six floors and this group of girls greets me and they're like, father, give us a blessing. Well, I've got the umbrella, right? And it's full of water because I just <laughs> fold it up. So uh -oh. I go, I'll give you a blessing. And they close, they bow their heads and I go, May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then I sprayed them with the umbrella. <laughs> it was even the sisters were there. They weren't even expecting it. And I, but anyway, so I go, I give these reflections to the girls about healing of their senses, their eyes, their ears, their mouth, their, their bodies. And then I say the words that they've all been waiting to hear, man. Like I say, for those of you that have been through tough times, pain physical emotional even some as you can imagine with a large population and sexual i say to them the words like i'm sorry so i have about a hundred girls there they're lined up in rows and my eyes catch each girl and i tell them to look at me and i go down the middle and i say i'm sorry like not to each one but i'm looking at each one and man their eyes are just welling up, man. Their little, their little masks are full of snot and tears. And then I come back up the other, come back up the aisle backwards, looking at the other side. And those little guys are just crying, right? And because of my time in the confessional, I know a lot of what these girls have been through. So the ability to speak into that is um, really beautiful. And then, then they're really opening up so much to me about their life, their pain, uh, all of that. Uh, well, that's, you just shared a very piercing story. Um, I, you know, if you didn't just share that, you think about these girls laughing and jumping and, and having a good time and you spraying stuff on them. But Really, I guess what you've seen and maybe you've discerned almost like the Holy Spirit descending down is, is the tears of a clown of, of hundreds and hundreds of girls that, that seem happy on the outside. But what you're learning in confession is they're unpacking just enormous 
enormous wounds. And, and I guess that's the value, one of the values of confession. Not only are you absolving sin and they and receiving sanctifying grace, but you're hearing their stories. Well, yeah, you know, there was one that shared. Can I can I share a story about one of the kids? Please. Right. Um, I You know, I can't remember any of their names, you know, like, and, you know, when you're battling, when it's like the one American guy wearing a collar and they're, they're all the same and they have the same haircut and all that stuff. It's like, forget it. I'm, once you're over like 50, you can't make any differences. <laughs> so right. so um, anyway, this little girl can finishes her confession, right? She's maybe 12, 13. And then she says, Father, um, I have had a lot of pain in my life. And I said, go ahead, tell me. And so she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, man, dude. So she's crying, right? So then she's got a long sleeve shirt on and pants on. Well, I come to find out that there was an accident in her house one day. And the boiling water fell on her. And it, it, it scolded her from... It really got her. Well, I don't know this at this point. And she says, this water. And she says, do I want to see? And she's like pointing to her knee. And I said, yeah. So she rolls up her sweatpants. And like there's the scarred skin. Right. And I ask her, where is it? And she just makes this motion from her knees all the way up her lap, all the way to her shoulders. And then she points to her back, right? And she's crying, right? Well, you know, I'm thinking like, man, this is a little 12, 13-year-old girl, right? Um, so I'm crying, right? So I'm making these like punching fate, punching uh, noises at her like because I'm pointing at my tears, right? So she's just crying, man. And so I've got my – I pull out my handkerchief, right? So I give it to her, and she's using it. And then, uh, well, I got tears. So I was like, give me my hand. Give it to me. And she'd take it and she starts <laughs> laughing. Right. So her snot is in it. My snot's in it. Um, well, I come to find out that I was the first man outside of her father that she ever showed the scars to. Wow. Right. So, and I'm thinking, man, like, this little guy's, this little girl's a saint, man. Right? Like, like this little one, I'm like, wow, you are really courageous. <laughs> and, you know, you can imagine being 12, 13 and a girl and all that stuff. And, you know, always wearing a long sleeve shirt or whatever, you know. So anyway, that's, it's that kind of stuff that uh, energizes me and I just think of the profound work of the sisters, which is immense, um, to help bring healing to these girls in this case. Well, man, you, you just, you just, I feel like I just walked into a Dickens novel and, and you just introduced me to a tiny Tim. And I know there's, I know there's tiny Tims spread out all over the world, but, but, um, but in Chaco and Guadalajara, I know they're there. And, 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 um, you know, you're a John Bosco down there. You're just touching kids left and right, and you're, you're you're saying things to them. You know, like I'm sorry, and then the waterworks come, and and they're showing you their their physical scars, not only not only internal but physical scars, and and you're just opening things up. And and you know what I'm thinking is is um to go back to the spiritual for a minute. 
it's the grace of confession because without without these kids opening up in the box and really coming clean with these with these wounds they've never spoken to anyone about then you really couldn't tend to them in the way they needed they need to be tended to so just talk about that just the grace and the intimacy of confession well i'm actually you know i'm seeing the grace of being a spiritual father in a whole new profound way actually because of the time in the confessional you know i've got i've got the kids begging for confession sometimes you know i'm walking across campus and one of the kids says father i got to go to confession i want to go and you can tell by their face that they need to vomit you can tell by the just a lot of you can sense like this one has not really shared the wound right so what i noticed is it's opening up very deep graces and rivers of mercy within them and i pray that they will be the instruments of god in the future you know it's just it's penetrating the the five letter word that suffocates kids which is shame it's it's busting the bubble around their heart around their senses around their bodies so it's it's quite amazing so so you just said the five letter word and you know we we think about satan and all of his evils and his and his awful tricks but is is that shame is is that his greatest is that his greatest ploy with, especially with the young kids i i think it's the greatest ploy with anybody actually because you know shame gives us a new name <laughs> really i mean it really gives us a new name so whatever is my sin the lord forgives in confession but when i have shame that resurrects the sin constantly and then there's a process of me forgiving myself so there's an authority the shame that i'm learning about in my ministry now that i had not that i had known but I've not been able to put my mind around it. I guess it's the grace of the Holy Spirit. Um, but that shame it can be really crippling to a person trying to find Christ because it boxes them in and they have the key to get out from the inside, but they don't know it because the voices in the darkness in that room are so overwhelmingly powerful that they feel that it's similar to the sin itself even though the sin was remitted in the confessional. Uh, I got it. So it's like a it's like a kid who's been um, who's been abused in any which way and it's like they're they come out of the uh, let's say the coffin underground and they start walking away from the grave and they feel like there's freedom up ahead and then there's that and there's that shame back in the coffin saying you come back. You can't make it in the real world. You know, you're you're a dead man walking out there, so you're always returning back to the shame. Is is something like that? Yeah, it's or it, yeah, and even from a scripture passage, it's the prodigal son coming home, and did he really live in the old man's heart? Did he really live on the property joyfully, or did he live, you know, looking back over the past and sitting on the front deck, you know, drinking a brewski, thinking, look at all the sins, as opposed to in all the quote unquote lost time. And I think it's just a ploy of the devil to manipulate and bring back the past into the present and to steal hope, the virtue of hope for the future.
Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. Uh, well said, Father. So, so what do you do, you know, with the Holy Spirit descending upon you and revealing this, this, this great scourge of shame? And it's awful. It is awful. What do you do as the father of all these kids that that uh, that tries to take this thing on? Do you, is there is there um, special prayers? Is is there a more intensified outlook of how to address this, or what do you do? Yeah, well, the church is good. The church is very merciful, and the church has prayers that priests can pray in various ways. Their office, the rosary, adoration, and then there's priests. There's prayers that the priests can pray that can help him in his ministry to bring healing to the children, or to, in this case, the children or the sisters, um, that I am often employing to bring, to bring that healing, okay? So the church has a lot of prayers that can be prayed, um, and those prayers are powerful in bringing liberation to the children and to others. Um, and really, they come with an immense authority to bring grace to the people of God. Well, it sounds like to me that you're praying prayers down there that you never prayed for 22 years as a parish priest in Washington. Well, actually, I had. You know, there's there's certain prayers that you sometimes um, can pray, but it's just always good. You have to pray them in a certain way, a certain in the privacy. And so those are the prayers that I can pray now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right, Father Dan. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. I, w I was just thinking that um, you know I'd like to pick up on this on this shame next podcast, but but this virgin of the poor society that you've been really active in. It's a wonderful thing. I I was just thinking that you know some of these folks that have been following your missionary work in you know really where it's going to take you all over the world. They can pray for these people in a specific way. These kids, these poor kids, in a specific way, and and all these issues that they're dealing with. And um, maybe you can just tell the listeners a little bit about this version of the poor society. Yeah, it's a, it's really using the devotion of Father Al to Our Lady Virgin and the Poor. And it's an opportunity to really know more about the work of Father Al, his, can, his process for canonization, the work of the sisters. But also in this case, as I'm kind of digging deeper and deeper into this ministry, is to maybe to spiritually adopt or pray for the kids that are sort of waiting in line for confession. You know, it seems like it's an endless line. You know, I hear for two hours, I come out and it's the same uniformed girls, just different girls. You know, it, I have to, it works against the spirit of hope. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you're like, didn't I hear anybody's confessions? Why do all these kids look the same? Right. Maybe it's because I'm cross-eyed at that point. But um, yeah, it's a beautiful way to unite to the work. And it's a great way to spiritually pray for the children. I mean, look, you know, what the reality is, is that many of the poor kids, they don't have a priest in their community. The priest comes once every three, four, five months. They go to confession. So it's a lack of formation. It's a lack of a lot of things. And now that they have, at least in Chalco for now, a regular confessor, regular priest, it's really producing opportunities of grace. And the, man, the kids are just eating it up. So. Um, I encourage the folks, I'm going to keep adding different things, you know, uh, uh, just so people get a sense of the work. And it's also a perspective thing. I know there's a lot going on in the States and it just helps you say, wow, boy, 
you know, we don't have to get caught up in all of the failure and sadness. We can really see hope in the church and hope in the world just by these little guys plugging away at the confessional, you know? Um, so yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it certainly is. It's, it's like, um, wildflowers spread out all over the place in Chalco and Guadalajara, you know, they're just, uh, it's new life down there. And it's, it's, I think it's beautiful to the ears of people who do look for that hope because it, it is a dark time for a lot of folks now. And, and what you're speaking to is hope and it's beautiful. So, um, with that said, Father, why don't we uh, why don't we end it here? But before we do, if you wouldn't mind leading us out in prayer. Yeah, sure. And look, man, if you want me to kind of go into shame next week and kind of pray about it, I can. Uh, or next time, okay? Uh, please do. I want to dive in uh, a lot deeper to shame, actually. And 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 with the version of the Poor Society uh, for for you listeners, please go to worldvillages.org. And you'll see a link right at the top, and you'll see different videos, different masses, reflections. But and like Father Dan was saying, importantly, you'll be called in, you'll be pulled in to pray for these people that Father Dan sees every day. So um, very good, Father Dan. So why don't you lead us out? To Our Lady, Virgin of the Poor, uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you. And may the Lord keep you safe, filled with hope and grace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Dan. We'll see you next time. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the One to One Podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. If you want to learn more about the founder, Father Al, or how to support Father Dan's mission and the Sisters of Mary's mission, head on over to worldvillages.org. And to follow more podcast episodes, go ahead and subscribe, like, share this podcast so more people can find out about the goodness coming out of these awesome conversations. For more podcasts and podcasts just like it, head on over to holyruckus.com. Thanks so much.